0: So excited to uh, jump into a new topic today. We're on this journey of transformation, and today we want to talk about striking at the root of our lies. I guess we all have moments in our lives when we're believing things that aren't true. Um, we're interpreting reality of events in our lives and things that are happening in our lives, and perhaps. They're truly lies, and we could have a different perspective that might guide our lives. But it is true in science and in spirituality that what one sees depends on what one looks for and what one expects. This is perhaps how we change or get to the root of these lies. But thoughts based on flawed beliefs can create problems for us. And Scott, I want you to start here. Why is self-awareness so important? Um, when we only see our world through biases, then we never become self-aware. Scott, self-awareness is the beginning of getting to the root of these lies. So, yeah, how do we, how do, how do, we do this better?
1: Awareness is, is the lens that we're seeing everything through. And what I've learned over these years in this small group work is that we need a community to help us see just what that lens is. Because we can get stuck in a in a dark lens. It's not accurate. It's it's actually projecting a lie about who we are. Our perceptions are true to us and they will not be transformed in isolation. So that's where the the group, the community, the healing community is so powerful in helping me see from a perspective that I'm not able to see from. And so As I become aware of, golly, I've been seeing myself this way and saying this to myself for all this time, and it's not true, and the people in a group can help me see a truth. Isolation is just death to us. And I was actually, we were talking about this last night in a group that I can be around all kinds of people, but be completely isolated and unaware. Mm -hmm. But if I can get into a a safe space where we, we, as we refer to our groups as a sacred space where... God's spirit is moving freely, and it's full of empathy and compassion and gentleness. I'm able to begin to, I think God's spirit is able to break through and help me see things that uh, I have not been aware of how I've been looking at them. So awareness is just not what I've been doing, but it's what I've been thinking. It's what I've been seeing about myself that's been really determining the path of my, of my responses in my life.
0: So Scott, we cannot get at the root of our lies um, all by ourselves. Yeah, the beginning of self-awareness is something that could begin by ourselves, but uh, the work of that goes way beyond um, just something that we do in our own heads and our own hearts. And Seth, so help us understand like the bounce of this. Like if we're going to do the work of self-awareness and challenging our biases, um, we need to do that in community and we need to do that with others. So how do those how do those things work together?
2: I'm just reminded of uh, I think I first heard this from a lady named Suzanne Stabile, who said that uh, not what we she wasn't referring to what we do, but kind of is kind of across the board inner work. Uh, but I think it translates super well to our groups. But but that this kind of work is solitary work that can't be done alone. So it is it is both and it is the work that I'm doing that is. Uh, Refracted, if I think I'm using that word correctly, and you know it's enhanced and it's um, it's brought about even more intensely within a community, um, because as Scott was saying, there are things that we're not able to see about ourselves uh, until you know we are um, it, something that we say is bounced off of somebody else, and somebody reminds us, oh. That wasn't kind, or that you know. How, do you know how you that just came off? Because mm. I think we're we're largely unaware of, of a tone even sometimes, right? But mm. but I'm also reminded of that other phrase of that where attention goes, energy flows, and so wherever we, wherever our you know our natural sort of salience or uh, attention goes, is is where um where our energy naturally goes to. You know, so there's this when we were planning this recording, I was reminded of, you know, we're talking about the lens is kind of that we see through. And I was reminded Mm. of of the scripture in Matthew 6 that says, you know, the most well-known reference in this chapter is is the one that says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's actually what leads into uh, talking about what I think is what we're talking about from a scriptural perspective. Uh, This is, verse 22, and it says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Mm. But if your, if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. Mm. If then that light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So, you know, to me, this is saying our biases, our lenses have to become conscious. Um, otherwise we are perceiving things from a very limited perspective, and you know, like, as Scott was already naming, it's usually a collection of, of uh, insecurities and mm-hmm. protections, and and if we're seeing the world through that alone, then we're pretty limited <laughs> in our ability to, you know, accomplish what we're here for.
0: And I think we though, we have a wider perspective when um, we're not just seeing through our own eyes. When there are other people that love us and care for us, and so how often. Do we not see something, but then someone brings it into our awareness, like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, I didn't even see it that way. Now I do, because, you know, you brought that to my attention. So it does take some humility to grow in this, that with the understanding that perhaps we can't see everything we need to see, isolated, all by ourselves.
1: George, that's, actually last night in group, we were talking about that phrase that enlightenment is the beginning of seeing and that mm. a person mm. was sharing, and they were, and then the group was able to speak to this person, and all of a sudden, hearing other people sharing their stories, they, they had an enlightenment. They began to see what they had not mm. been able to see before, and that's the power of a small group. But also, I think, back to that, that famous, we've said it before, that quote by Einstein, that a problem cannot be solved from the same consciousness that caused the problem. And to me, consciousness is... Uh, is an awareness. Uh, Absolutely. It's a way of seeing. And so, I have to be able to see myself differently. I have to be able to see the answer differently. I have to be able to... And that's why I think the word becoming is is so powerful for me is that I have to become able to see things differently. Yeah.
2: George, and I was just reminded too, because I just think telling stories really enhances, you know, kind of making some of the points we're making. And I remember the the one of the first groups that i went through where i was the first you know 6 or 7 weeks i'm in there describing who i'm wanting to be who i'm hoping i'm becoming one point at some day in my life and when we do the <laughs> affirmations week 8 mm-hmm. all of a sudden everybody's telling me you already are that guy yeah. and i was like whoa <laughs> what and and just that is to me that was i was enlightened because of other people showing me something I wasn't able to see yet. And in the acceptance of that, that actually was able, I was able to sort of begin to embody some of those truths about me that I didn't realize were already true.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's like striking at the root of our lies is first of all, realizing that we don't have to do it alone. And that's good news mm-hmm. like finding others that can help us strike at this. Um, well, Anna, um, we mostly view life through uh, two biases, and so I want you to help us understand this a little more. But our automatic default setting goes to overconfidence or toward insecurity. <laughs> so those two biases have impact upon our reality and you know the lies that we're believing. So we could be have a sense of being more capable or less capable than we are to to Seth's point or uh, superior to others are inferior to others. Yeah, so those are two biases at opposite spectrums.
3: I think... ...long time to recognize that maybe I have been operating largely out of overconfidence in my life and uh, maybe not recognizing the fact that I am not... Uh, capable to do all things that I do need other people that it's okay to ask for help and and that um, actually having human needs is not a flaw in and of itself Uh, so I think yeah for me that was that was a lie I bought into for a long time just believing like hey it's it's okay you don't you don't need to have this need met you don't have to like you can do this and And, you know, it works until it doesn't work anymore, and then you're uh, maybe forced to come to a place of, like, recognizing, okay, there are some things that I have been believing that are incorrect. Um, Also, to not, not to course correct too far in the other direction of, of, you know, that I have to have other people do everything for me, or I, you know, like... Balancing that, like, I am capable, but I do need help, right? And so, Mm -hmm. that's when living in community is so helpful, um, when other people can stand in the gap for you and and say either like, hey, I'm here to help you with this, or like, hey, you've got this, I know you can figure it out. Um, And so, that you're kind of living more in balance,
1: Last night's group was one of one of the best groups I've ever been in. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> but,
0: <laughs> Friends, every group that he was in, the last one was the best one he was in. That's what makes him such a great facilitator. <laughs> and and he means group. it.
1: <laughs> but we were talking about denial last night mm-hmm. and how humility brings us out of denial. And I think, like like Anna says, many times our denial is a way of us not... It is. It's a way of not being aware of a truth. Whatever. I, I, I find in a small group where we are talking about ourselves and, there's, and it's received with empathy and compassion. It creates a healthy sense of humility like Anna was referring to. You know what? I can't, I can't do this on my own and maybe I have not been fair to myself of what is true, whether it's something that I wish I wasn't doing or I, or I wish it was something that I was doing or or the person that I don't want to be versus the person that I do want to be. And humility can break us free. And I, and I think it's just humility, healthy humility grows in a community because we're people are there, you know, with receiving that with empathy and I'm able to see, gosh, I can grow beyond this, and it's possible. But denial, denial, I think, is very connected to shame. And so it's it's a way of protecting ourselves from not wanting to face the truth. And, and so that, that lens just, this is a great topic for our listeners. It's just sharing our truths, sharing our stories from a place of humility can free us from denial, help us see what is really true and right. But there's such dignity in all human beings when they tell the truth. You know what? This is what I struggle with. This is it. This is the truth.
0: Let me me ask you then. Let me ask you guys something. Because it sounds like the lie goes to two ends of the spectrum here. Sometimes we edit out the negative, Mm -hmm. right? And we don't see all the evidence because we're negating the negative in some way and we're not focused on something that we should be. But sometimes all we can see is the negative, right? And so neither of those are helpful. Um, and both of them can take us to the extreme of lies. But um, let me ask you guys this, because the two ends of these biases are overconfidence and insecurity. I wonder which one do you guys tend to
1: mm-hmm.
0: to, to, to lean more toward? Is it overconfidence or insecurity? Seth, I'll start with you. <laughs> <laughs> you did not see that coming, did you? <laughs> Come on, That's buddy.
3: The do answer to. Uh, do, you, do,
0: do you have a quote for this one? <laughs> <laughs>
3: um,
1: yeah,
2: good. no, um, no. I, I, do, I do. I am reminded uh, of uh, Eckhart Tolle talking about how the ego actually shows up in. Inferiority and superiority. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, I think a lot of us, when we think of ego, we think of egotistical, which is superiority, right? Yeah. But I think it's the collection of the ways that we've identified with, you know, the limited version of us that's so insecure that I couldn't, I could never, I don't, I don't know how, you know. And I, I probably tend to, my, my history is, is one of more insecurity. Mm-hmm. Um, not, you know, I'm, I'm the guy in the room that can manage anything yeah. and handle all of this. And look at me, I'm the powerful guy. I, it's definitely not me. That feels so arrogant and like whoa, whoa I can't, yeah. I can't manage that all the time. Um, so I'm, I, cl- I look more to toward the the uh, the insecure side of things. For that's, sure, that, that's that fascinating. What like
0: <laughs> if you were to say, yeah. I got a problem with with my ego, you would not think like it's inferiority. Yeah, you would think that it's. Right. I'm thinking too highly of myself, but that's fascinating. That's a fascinating way to think of it. That to have a low, low self-esteem would be an ego mm-hmm. issue too. Go ahead, Anna.
2: Yeah, either either polarity. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think
3: that that Go same ahead, insecurity can can play out in an opposite direction. In that, like, my insecurity is that like I'm just not important enough. I'm not worthy enough to show up for. So therefore, I will do all the mm-hmm. things because I'm not important. It's not that I'm super capable. It's not that I'm like, oh, I got this. But I'm like, well. I I don't deserve for anybody to show up for me, so I'm just going to do it for myself. So same Mm. insecurity, but played out in a really different manner.
0: Scott, how about you? Which one of these biases or lies do you tend to believe more?
1: Oh, it's definitely deeply ingrained in me, insecurity. But I was Mm. thinking that, you know, I can also be grandiose, which is just, or I can just super exaggerate um, to, you know, but,
3: best group ever.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you know, it's it's. I, I've always used this phrase. It's it's all or nothing thinking. It's it's either mm-hmm. I'm just a horrible horrible person yep. who's yeah. most flawed, or I'm the best person there's ever ever been. And you can't live in those extremes, and so I find that the healthy balance is where again I like the word humility, just being humble and you know I'm okay. Sometimes I do have a tendency to over exaggerate and to be grandiose. And other times I ha and and I can also be just rock bottom, you're the you know, just exaggerating my low worth and that and I find that Jesus has the ability to give me an even keel space to live in. Mm. You know. And um, but again, what we've been talking about, I I find in groups the space that I come back down into a peaceful place with myself. I don't have the highs and lows, the extremes. Hmm.
0: So faith is the story we believe about where we're where we are heading. It's the story we believe about what we look like in the future, and. Yeah, both of those biases to be more honest about the lies, um, certainly are gonna are gonna help us get there.
1: George, I want um, to say you you make a really good point that we we're again we were talking about this last night. But if I'm living in the past and I'm conforming to that belief that I have, you know, derived from that, or I'm projecting that into the future, I can't find this mm. place in the presence to just be. Be okay with who I am, those two extremes, yeah, are wow, tough to live in,
2: yeah, I think that's a sign that there's something about this moment and me in mm-hmm. this moment that's not
0: enough mm-hmm. mm. Mm. and so, and often that is because you're thinking about the past failure yep. or some some from the past where you weren't good enough. Or you're worried about the future in a way you're not going to be good enough somewhere in the future. Yeah. Yep. Um,
2: totally. Some past drama or some future idealization. Mm. Either one of those is what is making right now not enough. <laughs> but humility is what I, what Scott was saying. I think is what actually allows you to be here right now. Because it's not like thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Mm. But yeah, humility is is it's that. Um, to me, it's a it's a reminder of, of healthy shame versus toxic mm-hmm. shame. I I am defective versus I am limited, and yeah, I'm limited. I can do so much, and that's what it means to be human. Mm-hmm. And that's where I'm at right now. I'm living with hu- humility about the fact that this is true, uh, but it doesn't define me. All that all of me.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and we haven't said it today, but in this current age that we're living in with technology, with social media, it is so difficult to not project, you know, a self image based on what we're looking at, the perfection that is drives our society, celebrities and all. And just I find people it's very easy to reject ourselves. And many of our participants and many of my friends as, you know, came from not the most secure attachment families and they they, their stories are haunting them and so, the transformation of those stories comes from what we're talking about today, the lens in which I'm really looking at myself and the awareness. Where did that story get this, this message from, this narrative from?
0: That's good, healthy work for the soul mm-hmm. and for a more free and enjoyable life for sure. Well, I wanna, I wanna end with just a final thought and a final uh, question here, but how do we live more free? from these biases. That's what this thing is all about. Um, confirmation bias, you guys, it's what we see, or it's, uh, we see what we want to see, right? Um, just real quick around the horn. Um, how can that be good? And how could that be <laughs> in some way hindering to to our growth? Because that, that goes both ways, right? We, we see what we want to see. So how do we define when it's the confirmation bias that's hindering our growth, as opposed to helping us grow.
3: Right. I'll I'll jump in with that first. I okay. um, I tend to, by nature, by nature, be more of an optimist, um, which I'm glad about because I'm an optimist.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we like you. You're, yeah, you're you're a fun friend to be around. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but, which is is great. You know, when you are an optimist, you're generally looking for what's positive and. And that is reinforced, right? So that's a great way to, um, yeah, it's generally a good thing. But where it can get you in trouble or where it has historically gotten me in trouble is where I'm looking for the good um, at the exclusion of being willing to admit in my own life what is causing me pain, Mm. and not processing that and then that comes out sideways right if i'm not if i'm always looking for what's good and be like well that's okay that's okay that's not that bad because this is good and this is good and this is good and not acknowledging what is actually causing injury to me and not processing my negative emotions um that that is not that you know that is confirmation bias that can work in a favorable direction but also can be hindering if it's not balanced properly with a realistic view of who I am and what I need.
0: Anna, that is what Scott calls this day striking at the root of our lies. Mm -hmm. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: Beautiful. Scott, how about you? How do we know the difference between what we want to see that it's not just something that's biased?
1: I find that to be a daily journey for me if um, I, I, I feel like for me I have a cynical side and I don't, as I look through my past and my story my my dad had a cynical side um, and, um, I, and I felt like he settled for far less than he really was even though he, he was a very successful man as far as i concerned and a very good man but um, I didn't see him keep growing and uh, I kind of felt like he gave up. Uh, He was a coach for 30 some years and he got fired and he got fired when I was playing for him and and I didn't see him fight for himself, stand up for himself. Matter of fact, I thought, you know, we didn't even really talk about it. I just saw that he was very sad and he used to say things like, well, that's just the luck of our family in a, in a, in a cynical way. And I think that, I developed, a, on my own, a very a similar cynicism towards life. And so that I would, that's what I expect. It's not going to work out. Um, and that bias just kind of cast a shadow over so many things in life. But I just keep finding the word humility speaking to me today that with Christ, um, I am humbled by... Many things that I have either done or wish I would have done differently, but with grace, I feel it pulls me forward, gives me an exemplary cause. I begin to see through a different lens, um, and I find that there's hope. Uh, but it is so much easier. Uh, if we ha- going back to neural pathways, it's so much easier to resort back to our biases. They're just easy to believe mm. versus. Striking at the root and really fighting for hope, cultivating hope on a daily basis, becoming a person who sees things through a different lens it that that really to me is a definition of transformation it's a journey it's a process but if but if we can get a little bit better every day that's that's to me where mm-hmm. i'm finding um, and it's a a daily <laughs> a daily battle for me too
0: that's humility that it is a daily battle that it's not something you overcome in a moment and then what the wind is your back the rest of your life it's (laughs) the humility to know Mm -hmm. that there's a wind sometimes and then there's stillness and no wind and um so i yeah i think i think that is beautiful i want to give you the last word seth but scott says to change any situation i hear you guys all saying this Um, we must first change ourselves, something within. Um, You know, the way we're uh, seeing, the way we're believing about our life or the world. So if there's any real change, it starts with us, not with the circumstances outside of us. And so, Mm -hmm. Seth, I want to give you the final word here. I think that's that's very, very true because I think
2: what gets so frustrating for people is when you won't change. Why won't you change? Mm. And we keep getting frustrated with that, and it has everything to do with with us and, and changing our relationship with our with the circumstance, right? Yes. We've, I feel like we've said that a lot in this on this podcast together, and that when the circumstances don't change, we must. And um, so I'm just I'm thinking about how that has to do with what we've been talking about these lenses or these biases that we carry in. Um, I'm grateful that Anna shared this positivity one that she has. I I as well do. And, and I'm just reminded that, you know, cognitive bias in and of, of themselves, I don't think they're bad, but it's how we use them. So, you know, sometimes we need these things for protection. When we're feeling emotionally overwhelmed, we need to do this for a period of time, right? We need to use these. And then there are times when we are more regulated and we're feeling more secure in ourselves and, and we need to do some, we want to do some work and we want to be able to expand beyond just being the protections that we've been carrying around for so long. So I think for me, this has to do with whether or not these biases are adaptive versus maladaptive. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and I think, uh, and gave a wonderful example and I'll carry it into my, my life as well. I have a tendency to push positivity onto things too long before I'm able to see the reality that this is negative. This isn't, this isn't okay right now. Um, and I need to just, Either stand up for myself or say something. Uh, When when positivity is to the exclusion of allowing reality to be true or letting myself see what's actually here, that's when it's when it's turned to um, when it's moved from adaptive to maladaptive. And I think that is uh, what we're trying to um, locate here. And I think that's you know that can the signs of that can be any number of things from listening to other people telling us the truth about how we would just reacted and being humble about that to how dysregulated in my body do I feel? That's a sign that maybe I'm overdoing one of my structure strategies too much. You know? I'm overdoing it um, and I need to check in on that. But hopefully that, that answers the question. The, just it, for me, it has to do with what is my relationship with my, with my bias? And is it adaptive? Am I using adaptively or maladaptively?
0: I knew it was going to be smart. I knew it was going to be helpful. Always from the heart. What I love about you three is that what you're inviting other people to, I know you guys are living and you're striking at the root of your own lies in such beautiful ways. So thank you. Thank you for giving us all the gift of going first. And if you're listening today and either spectrum of these biases, you... you you know you want to grow in there is a way forward and we would love to invite you to become a part uh, to join one of our small groups so you can visit us online at restoresmallgroups.org to learn about more groups that you can join or be a part of but over every mountain there is a path and the future rewards those who discover it and press on so stay on the path and take care friends. My mom says I'm worth waiting on. So <laughs> um.
2: I had water in my mouth. I almost spit out. <laughs> wow. <laughs>